0: You're listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D, where we share all things related to photography. Alrighty, welcome to episode three of Photo Tea with Anissa D. On today's episode, we're gonna be talking all about film photography and how to get started in film photography. And I thought it would be fun to bring on a special guest. Monique, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you specialize in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, guys. My name is Monique Bianca. I am from Ventura, California, and I am a California film photographer
0: specializing in weddings and couples. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I would just like to start off by getting to know a little bit more about you and like your background, how you got started and just all of all the good stuff, all the tea.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So first off, I'll just start off by saying that I'm not a trained photographer. Didn't go to college for it. Never taken a photography class in my life. I am 100% self-taught. <laughs> I definitely am not one of those people that growing up was like, oh, I want to be a photographer. I always kind of had random aspirations for my career path when I was younger. And I guess I just never really realized that you could actually make a living off of being a photographer. So it wasn't until around 2013 to around 2015, kind of like the earlier days of Instagram, I was really big on... I don't know if you guys are familiar with an app called like Visco Cam, but yeah, yeah. So back in the day, kind of in my early 20s, like... I was really into photography and editing on Viscocam cam and was kind of just like getting a lot of great feedback. had a lot of like people following me just for my kind of like day-to-day photos. I was living in San Francisco at the time. So I was posting just a lot of like landscapes, kind of like my day trips that I would take. And I basically got some traction with some a following there. And I, I caught the eye of someone that reached out and was like, hey, you know, I own an agency. Would you ever be interested in shooting product for this agency? And I was like, "Absolutely, that sounds so fun." Yeah. Yeah, so basically got my first DSLR back in 2015 and kind of started shooting product and while it was fun, it just wasn't something that I was deeply passionate about. So, I knew that I enjoyed photography, but I just didn't think that that was what I wanted to be doing in terms of like shooting product and stuff. It just like wasn't very fulfilling to me. So, I sort of pivoted into weddings in 2016, absolutely fell in love
0: with it and kind of never looked back. Yeah, that's awesome. I honestly didn't even realize that Visco was like really popular and was you were able to find things like that opportunities. That's really, really cool because I just kind of used it in the beginning when before I found out about like Lightroom and everything just to edit a couple personal photos that I could share on my personal account. So that's super cool. Yeah,
1: exactly. It was kind of like, um, you know, in the beginning, Instagram, and even now, like, I don't think they're everyone's favorite filters, the ones that Instagram <laughs> gives you. So it was sort of a way to make your photos look like film yeah. back in those days because Instagram didn't give you the options of all those different filters. So Visco was kind of the place that you could get so many different, just like really pretty filters to put on on your day-to-day photos. And it was nice because it was just all iPhone-based. You didn't actually have to be a photographer, have like... A nice fancy camera. It was sort of the way to kind of get into photography without having to invest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. And I know you you mentioned filmed. I I think I forgot to mention that today we're going to be talking all about film and just maybe I did already mention it, but just film photography and everything. But I, I know that you said you started off with a DSLR camera. What did you start with and how did you get into film? Right. So I actually always shot film
1: for my personal life. I started shooting film probably around high school. I would go to like CVS or Walmart and I would buy like those Fujifilm disposable cameras Yeah. And I would basically just like bring them to school and kind of, this is like pre-iPhone, pre-smartphone. So I would go, um, and for reference, I went to high school from uh, like 2005 to 2009. So Mm -hmm. back in these days, you know, like camera phones were a thing, but it was like really grainy, really pixelated flip phones. So Mm -hmm. yeah, disposable cameras were kind of the thing to do back then. So I would just tote them around school. I would bring them to house parties, And I would take pictures and I would basically post them on MySpace. And like so many people would just be like, these photos are amazing. Like, what kind of camera do you have? And I'd be like, it's just like a film camera, you know, like nothing crazy. So yeah, I shot film for myself for years. You know, I would take disposable cameras with me on vacations or just anywhere that I would go. And then I bought a Canon AE1 back in around those same like early Instagram days and loved it. Like I said, would just shoot it for myself. No pressure, you know, get... uh This is back when like one hour photo was still a thing as well. I'd go to CVS, drop my stuff off and then I would be able to kind of pick everything up. I would get prints at the time. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I started shooting film back then. And then... I was about maybe like two to three years into shooting weddings. And while I was enjoying it, I feel like I was kind of like losing... I guess I was feeling a little bit in a rut creatively. And I was kind of trying to decide like, okay, like I really enjoy weddings. I'm getting booked. I have a consistent clientele, but I wasn't really like feeling passionate about like the work that I was pr- producing. Not that the photos like weren't beautiful. I think I was just not feeling confident in the consistency of my digital work in how I was editing. So, I got married in 2019 and because I'd always loved film photography, it was really important for me to have both a digital photographer and a film photographer. So, um, in 2019 when I got married, I hired a digital photographer and I hired a film photographer. And I also hired a videographer to shoot only Super 8 film because that was also something that was really nostalgic to me, kind of like growing up watching my grandparents' old Super 8 films. I just like really loved that. that. And um, just me personally, I never wanted like a super elaborate wedding video. I know a lot of people love those. It just didn't feel like me, but I still wanted like a, a beautiful way to document my wedding kind of in like a simpler format. So I absolutely fell in love with my wedding photos that were shot on film as well as like my super eight film. And I was just like, you know what? I don't know why I haven't been offering this to my couples. And that sort of inspired me to then start offering it to my couples. As I said, because I shot film for so many years for personal use, there's no Mm -hmm. pressure, you know, like you're doing it for yourself. If the photos don't come out, they don't come out. So shooting Mm -hmm. it for weddings is like a completely different ball game. And I feel like it was like a bigger undertaking. And I was like, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to offer this to my clients, like I need to perfect it. I need to make sure that I know exactly what I'm doing. I need to make sure, you know, these are other people's memories. It's no longer just your memories. And the, the beauty of film. So the scary thing about film is that it's not a sure thing. You know, you Mm. shoot something and you, it's not like digital where you can kind of look at the back of your camera and sort of like adjust your settings to to get what you want to get. Where with film, everything has to be like so intentional. You don't have the ability to overshoot kind of the way that you do with digital. So it was something that I definitely knew that I needed to perfect. And because I was kind of feeling lost in my digital work, I was like, well, I want to pivot into film. So let me really take this year to focus on building that. And I just started bringing my film camera to all of my weddings. You know, I hadn't at this point incorporated it into my collections. I was just sort of doing it for myself and for fun. If the photos came out beautiful, if they didn't, I hadn't promised it. So it was low pressure on me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess COVID happened and kind of changed the wedding industry, at least for me. Yeah. Business was awful. Everything was either canceled or postponed. I had a lot more free time to sort of focus on perfecting like the craft of film. So I was lucky that, you know, I guess sort of lucky in that way because I had so much more time due to COVID that I was sort of able to perfect it. And I did. And I kind of went full force with it at the beginning of this year where I started incorporating it into my collections as an add-on and basically it caught on and people started really reacting well to it and just loving it. And I would say that about now, uh, 90% of my clients, if not even 100% of my clients are
0: reaching out to me
1: because of my film work.
0: Okay. I really want to ask you about that because I like love just your journey through film and getting into film. And I think for myself, so I'm starting in film like earlier this year is when I started. And I find that sometimes it can be a little tough to get clients to book like a film package. Can you share a little bit more about like specific marketing tips that you have to build your film clientele and how you get got into that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one
1: tip that I can give people is to just share, 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 share. Like I am getting so many film clients because I'm sharing exactly what I want to be shooting. So... The majority of my Instagram feed and my website, all of my blogs is featuring my film work. So it's kind of like really most of the work that I'm putting out there. So when clients come to my page, what they're seeing is the film work. So they're immediately drawn to that. I have, you know, obviously if you scroll down, you're going to see some of my older stuff, different kind of digital edits. But in the most recent mm-hmm. year, pretty much all of the photos that I share on my feed or website are all film. So I think just the number one thing is for me has just been sharing exactly what I want to be shooting because if that's what you're presenting, then that is what is going to then draw people in to be like, well,
0: I want my photos to look like that. What is that? How can I? How can we achieve that? Right. Would you say that people typically will reach out and ask if it's film or do they kind of just know based off you know, your portfolio and what your website says. Yeah, I feel
1: like it's pretty out there. Like, you know, I have on my Instagram that I do shoot both, you know, film and digital and Mm the same kind of like a description on my website. I do actually have a whole page on my website dedicated to why I love film, why I shoot film. And then I kind of have like a blog tied to all of my film galleries. So I feel like it's totally just now tied into my brand. Whereas, yeah, or when I was first shooting, I was offering it as an add-on to my digital work. And because so pretty much everyone I was booking was opting for film, I now just sort of incorporate it into my wedding collection. So I no longer charge as an add-on. I no longer... Yeah, I just... So all of my Mm -hmm. collections include both digital and film. It's no longer an add-on. I've sort of just worked it into my pricing and sort of calculated the costs of
0: what it's like costing me to just include it in everything that I shoot. Oh, I love that. That's, yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's like a really great way too. And I'm kind of in the stage right now of just building up, you know, that film portfolio, but that's really cool that you were started there and now we're offering it in every package. And I love that. I love to hear that. And, you know, going into just starting with film, I mean, you mentioned the Canon AE1, which is a film camera that I currently have and, and, and starting with. What other film gear would you recommend for someone just starting off like just camera and lenses and even flash? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So love my Canon
1: AE-1. It's a beautiful camera, great camera. Uh, However, I do feel that it is way too slow for a wedding day because it is 100% manual. So because of that, some of my favorite 35 millimeter film cameras, specifically for a wedding day or even kind of a couple session... Is Canon. I'm such a Canon girl, so I love the Canon 1V. It's a great camera. It is a film SLR. So the thing that's great about like this camera is you can use all of your digital lenses on it. It's also auto ISO, so you're not having to adjust your ISO. It kind of uh, picks up the ISO of whatever film that you load into it. So really, on a wedding day, because the wedding day moves so quickly, because you're shooting so many different types of light throughout the day, it's so nice to have a camera that you really only need to be Mm -hmm. focused on your aperture and on your shutter speed. So my like three favorites for a wedding day would be the Canon 1V, the Canon Elon 7, and then pretty much any Canon SLR Rebel. Because as I said, Mm -hmm. those are my favorites
0: specifically because of the auto ISO feature and because they take your digital lenses. Gotcha. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know if I've heard of those. I I have to look them up after. Are they all... 35 millimeter and do you prefer just shooting on 35 millimeter lens or do you prefer medium format, 35 millimeter, large format? Yeah. So
1: going back to the 35 millimeter cameras that I absolutely love. So when I shoot a wedding day, because now I've incorporated film into sort of all of my wedding collections, I use I have a harness so I I use a shoot on two bodies one body is a digital body and one body is a film body so pretty much anytime I'm shooting either a session or a wedding I always have two bodies on me one one film and one digital so I will have a 35 millimeter
0: body on me as my second camera awesome yeah I I recently actually so started with the 35 millimeter and I that's what I heard people recommend, you know, starting with. And recently got my first medium format. Do you shoot medium format I do. I love medium
1: format. I think that like the cleanliness of that film and just like the -hmm. the fine grain is so, so beautiful. And I'll be honest, like I love it so much. The only thing is, is my camera is so big. I have the Pentax 645. And so while I do love it, it's not realistic for me to shoot like a full wedding day on it as I do with my 35 because obviously the 35 mm-hmm. is so similar to the digital body that it just hangs on my body and it's not such a big undertaking to pull out like it is my medium format so i do shoot medium
0: format on a wedding day on the slower parts of the wedding day gotcha yeah that that makes a lot of sense and in, in I'm, you know, still learning a little bit. The point and shoot camera, do you shoot like film point and shoots at all during a wedding day just for fun? Yeah. Or is- I do like mm-hmm. a point and shoot. Honestly, sometimes during reception, you know, like on the dance
1: floor, I'll kind of mm-hmm. get like a, I, I have like an Olympus point and shoot. I have a few different point and shoots that I like to bring on the dance floor with me just because you're getting in like such small spaces and stuff that you, it's nice to just like put my harness down and just bring like a little nice point and shoot in the middle of the dance floor. I'm not worried about, it getting like knocked over or bumping into people with my big heavy cameras on, you know? So every now and then yeah. on, on like a dance floor or just kind of depending on the setting, maybe we'll do like flash portraits at night on like a fun little point and shoot. But yeah, I do love a point and shoot. I just probably won't use it through the, through like the daytime while I still have
0: life, but I love bringing it out at night because um, I love the flash on it. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually, you know, brings me to my next question. I wanted to know what you, some of your biggest tips are for shooting like in, Film in low light, you know, do you use flash and what would you recommend? I don't, I guess, how important is like film speed in regards to low light settings? Yeah. So, two of the cameras that I mentioned earlier, the 35 millimeter SLRs that
1: take the digital lenses, one of them being the Canon Elon 7, and then like any SLR Rebel. Those actually have like a nice little tiny film attached to them. So when it gets dark or, you know, when there's no more light left, I pretty much just like pull up that little flash and I have like Mm. a built in flash already on those film cameras. So I'm not needing to attach anything else to it. Some of the cameras, though, don't have the built in flash, like the Canon 1V, it takes an external flash. So The flash Mm -hmm. that I use on my digital camera is uh, like the Canon speedlight, But, you know, you can pretty Mm -hmm. much use any flash on it just as you would your regular digital DSLR. You know, so like a lot of people like Godox or Young now, you can pretty much, it has the same hot shoe. These film cameras that I mentioned have the same hot Mm -hmm. shoe as like a Canon SLR would. So you can pretty much attach any flash to it. And I guess like my number one thing for shooting flash on film, because it is so different and, you know, at least with digital, like, Flash can just be so funky sometimes that you're always kind of having to test Mm -hmm. your light, test your flash, adjust your settings. The nice thing about putting attaching a flash to your film camera, the number one tip I give is just read your light meter. If your light meter is in the middle and you have your flash on, more than likely your photo is going to be exposed with flash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so really just like watching your light meter at night once you have your flash attached is like... I think like if you have that you have it at the center of your light meter, then you're
0: good. You're good to go. Awesome. Yeah. And do you use like an external light meter, just the one that's already built in your camera? I actually just use the one built into my camera. I
1: know that a lot of film photographers like to carry around light. I -hmm. just personally don't and I have
0: never really had an issue. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. That's what I've been using so far. And I wasn't sure if I should get the external light meter. I'm just you know, step by step. No, yeah. and then are so that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. There's there's a lot of good inexpensive ones.
1: You know, on Amazon that are mm-hmm. tiny and can just like sit in your pocket or your fanny pack or anything that you
0: use on a wedding day. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And then I guess my next question would be the actual film. Um, you know, how important is that? Like, you know, ISO number. The as I know that there's like Portia 100 or is it Portia 200, Portia 400. For your 800 what is your favorite like color film to shoot with and how important is that number? Yeah, so my personal
1: favorite, I know it's like a boring answer, but I'm like very writer die for Portra 400 made by Kodak. I love it because as I said, it's just, it, it just like, it's the perfect ISO. It kind of sits in the middle. You can kind of shoot it in low light. You can shoot it when you have a lot of light. I just love like the whole portrait series. So the 160, the 100 and the 800 and Portra is called Portra because it was actually designed by Kodak specifically for weddings and portraits actually. So I think it's very forgiving on like skin tones and kind of just kind
0: of keeping those just more true to color, you know? Yeah, definitely. And then as far as like black and white films, you have a favorite for that too? I do. Yeah. I, again, so
1: ride or die for Kodak. I like the Tri-X 400. Like I said, the 400 is kind of like that mid-speed that is kind of very consistent throughout lighting, throughout all, you know, throughout the entire day. So I usually stick to 400. If I can't find like speed 400, which is like pretty common right now, just because the film shortage is real. I will pretty much go to like Portra 160, Portra 800 or Kodak 200. It just kind of depends, but 400 is kind of my sweet spot and that
0: is that is usually the ISO that I like to stay at for films. Yeah. Definitely. And I, you know, recently have been looking for the Portra 400 and it's been, like you said, hard to find. Where do you like recommend buying film? Because I know like Amazon has just been jacking up the prices. So do you ever get like older film on eBay or anything like that? Um, I don't buy expired film only because uh,
1: when I'm shooting it for my clients, I want the colors to be super consistent. And when you buy expired film, you just never know. I mean, if I think it's like if it's a fun creative project by all means, buy any sort of film that you want. But for clients, I'm a little pickier with, you know, I just want everything to come out consistent. So anytime that I can find Portrait 400, I buy in bulk. So right now, like my main places that I buy is like b Film Supply Co., Amazon, if I'm really in a pinch and I just like need it quickly because obviously it gets delivered like within two days, which is so nice. And then honestly, yeah. check your local camera stores. I have two in my area. I live in California, but if you're here, Dexter's, Inventura, and uh, Richard Photo Lab. So yeah, any local camera store, a lot of times like they don't... A lot of them aren't on social media. They don't have websites. But if you just give them a call and you say, Hey, do you have any Portra 400? Nine out of 10 times they do. They just don't advertise for it. you know. So anytime you can get it at your local camera store, I recommend stocking up.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have to do... I have to check. I got to find my favorites. I still haven't found... Like my favorite camera store nearby. And I also am still looking for like a favorite film lab. Do you have one that you go to locally or do you send your film somewhere else? Like what is your film development? Process? Yeah. So honestly, I wish I was more savvy in the process of like doing my own film
1: and doing my own processing <laughs> and scanning. I just personally don't have the time for it. And it's so much to learn. Right. It's tons of chemicals. And I just don't have the space for it at home. But I do have a favorite film lab. They are called Richard Photo Lab and they are based in California. And I actually started using them because the lab is based out of my hometown, Santa Clarita. So when I was kind of in that process of trying to perfect film, I was shooting so many rolls to kind of test the light. Okay, what stock do I like? And I was able to just go in and drop off my rolls, get my scans back. And I was able to really talk to like the lab technicians and talk to them about my process and tell them, you know, hey, like... I shot this roll, and I'm not really liking this. So they were so, so helpful. And now that I live a little bit farther away, um, they're only about an hour. If I have a really, really big load, I will go and drop it off in person just because I get paranoid about things getting lost in the mail. Right. But pretty much when i'm mailing it in it's so so seamless i've been using them now for a few years so they're really helpful they do uh like lab scans and then they also do like custom scans so if you're sort of like a new film shooter and you're unsure of like how you want your scans to look i recommend just kind of doing the richard's way scans which is sort of like the lab's best judgment they sort of will process your scans and create them like based on their judgment based on like the best lighting and stuff like that so I recommend like a lab's judgment for if you're still sort of learning. And then a lot of like more seasoned photographers do custom scans where they can sort of manipulate the film a little bit, whether that's like pushing and pulling to make it a little bit
0: darker or brighter, just based on your photography style. So I can't recommend Richard Photo Yeah. I'll have to check them out because I've been looking for one to help me match the colors. I feel like recently I've been getting my film back and I don't feel like it's the same that I've been seeing you know, from other professional photographers. So I I was actually curious if you edit the photos at all after you receive them or if they just do everything at the lab to get them to how you like.
1: Yeah. So the beauty of Richard is they have a custom scans option and they are like great with communication. So if you send them examples of what you want your film to look like based on other photographers that you're inspired by and you like send them screenshots they're able to kind of match that as closely as they can based on your scans. And yeah, so I use a Nuritsu scanner. So Richard specifically uses like Nuritsu and Frontier. And those are like their two main scanners that that they use. And basically each scanner kind of gives off different tones. I personally prefer Nuritsu for my scans, but I know a lot of friends that use Frontier and the scans are beautiful on their work. It's just like a style preference, you know? I think Neritsu is a little bit more, maybe violet where Frontier is a little bit more green, kind of pulls more green. So it's just a preference. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind of unsure what scanner you like, I would recommend sending in a roll and asking for both. And you can kind of see like the same um, settings on both Neritsu and both Frontier and kind of compare like, oh, well, I really like these
0: colors. So I think I'm a Neritsu gal or a Frontier gal, you know? Yeah. Uh, I really like that advice because I've only actually tried Frontier before with a different lab and I wasn't sure the difference. I kind of just went with what they recommended me, but that's actually really good advice to ask to send both in and see what it would look like as I'd love to be able to compare my work and just what I've shot and the different scanners. So that's really good advice. I, I'm going to take yeah, that definitely. and use that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's super helpful. And I, you know, I think you helped really answer some of my questions about, you know, film labs and printing and things. And I wanted to know, do you do you just get the digital copies or do you ever get physical like prints in your hand to give to like wedding clients as a gift afterwards? Is that something that you No, have definitely. Do or... If it's like expressed to me, like in the consultation
1: process that my clients are really like wanting prints, then I would, I will offer prints, but uh, a lot of times, like I have like a store set up in my, like how I deliver my client galleries. And if they really love a photo, then they're able to sort of just um, create prints through there. So... I get a universal scans through Richard, which basically means that the the quality of the image is going to be able to be blown up if a client wants to create, do like a wall print. So different labs offer like different sort of scans. And I always like to do like universal because it is able to be blown up and, and printed if the client decides to want to do that in the future.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't even think about that, but I love that that's even an option. And you're just introducing me as well to a bunch of like things I didn't even realize in the film world. So that's super cool. Yeah. And I guess like another question I have, and this is just more of like a general question revolving film, but why do you think that there's been like a recent interest in film photography? Do you have like any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Kind of, I think as I touched
1: on earlier, you know, there is like so many trends in digital photography, like through the years, if you sort of look at like digital photos from like the 90s or like the early 2000s to kind of now or even like wedding specifically. You know, there's so many different trends in like wedding photography that sort of come and go in digital photographs because, you know, a digital photograph is sort of meant to be manipulated. You know, when we shoot like a raw image, that's really sort of like a blank canvas of like what we can do with it, right? In terms of like applying presets or kind of like making it our style, which is like every photographer's style is so unique. So I think the trend with film photography, it's, it's sort of like something old is new again. And it's kind of like touching yeah. on those like nostalgic feelings of like, well, I want my photos to feel like they're timeless. So while I fear, feel that there is like a time and place for both like digital and film photographs, I think that kind of couples now are looking back at like their grandparents' wedding photos or their parents' wedding photos. And they're sort of wanting to emulate that as closely as they can in sort of their their own photos. Because, you know, as I mentioned, like so many people looking back now on like those early 90s wedding digital photos when digital first came out, you can sort of tell like, oh, that is like the 90s, you know, based on like the colors and stuff, yeah. the photos where really when you, at least when I look at like a film photograph from like the 1960s or 70s, sort of besides the clothing and i guess like the hair and makeup to sort of give you a clue on like when that photo was taken the colors don't really give you any clues as to like what year that photo specifically was taken in because the colors aren't manipulated in film photography as they are in digital you know sort sort of like what you see is sort of what you get unless you are like manipulating your film photos i personally don't touch the colors the only thing that i'm editing okay. is sort of like exposure contrast highlights if i need to but I'm sort of like leaving those colors be because that's just like what I love about it is that the colors are when they are. And as I said, like Kodak has been around for so long. I think like they introduced their first color film around the 1930s. It was called Ektachrome. And even though like that specific stock is now discontinued, all of the portrait stocks, like all of Kodak's film is still emulating like those original colors. So I just think that people are really like tying into like the nostalgia and sort of like timelessness of the film photographs. And I think that like they just want to feel like they are a part of like history in a way, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's a beautiful answer. And I would agree with you on on that as well. And just for myself, you know, personally with starting film this year, I feel like I felt a lot of the things that you said too and so yeah i think that's a really great you know point that you made there and i was wondering just kind of like a final question in regards to you know your digital work and your film work do you you know you talked about not editing the colors and the film work as much afterwards do you typically edit your digital photos to resemble film or is that more of just like you know little tweaks there to just have them be like as timeless and true to color as possible. Yeah, definitely.
1: So I think like it's definitely like my digital work has like kind of pivoted through the years because there are so many like trends in wedding photography. But I think like since I started shooting film is when I really started to feel really happy with like the work that I was producing, even on the digital end. Because yeah, Mm -hmm. I think as you mentioned, like I sort of am emulating film in a way, but I also now see that like digital and film are two completely different formats and like I'm okay with them being a little bit different. And that's sort of like the beauty of film is that you can kind of get to be like a little bit more funky and creative with your colors where I think my digital work is what I want to remain like the more clean edits, like the more like true to color keep those skin tones intact, you know, and like, and then I get to kind of be funky with my film because that's like natural grain. I'm not manipulating the grain. It just, that's actually what it looks like, you know? So
0: right. I would say that my
1: digital work definitely
0: has now evolved to, to sort of be more true to color. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of, you know, what I've seen, you know, other photographers kind of doing and what I've been striving to do as well. So that all makes a lot of sense. And you know, you shared a lot with me and I'm, I'm still digesting everything. I, that was just so beyond helpful. And just, I really appreciate you sharing all of that and just your journey with film and with photography and everything and, you know, getting to be creative. I definitely see myself feeling more creative as I, you know, have film and, you know, with my new medium format camera and the 35 millimeter, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun this year and just being able to get creative and try new things. Yeah. It's so much fun. And Honestly, like again,
1: like the number one piece of advice I can give to shooters wanting to experiment with film or get into it is just practice, practice, practice. Like start bringing a film camera on your vacations, like start bringing them to like family gatherings, start bringing them like really everywhere that you go and start testing film and all different types of light, you know, like bring a flash if you're not sure how that works, buy a point and shoot, you know, those are pretty inexpensive. And it's just like so much fun to experiment with because, as I said, it's not a sure thing. It's sort of like, inspiring in a way that like everything has to be more intentional. So just practice make really does make perfect. And yeah, just practice, practice,
0: practice. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that and for all of your great pointers. And I really appreciate you for coming on today's podcast and talking all about film. And if you could also let everyone know where they can find you and follow you. Yeah, absolutely. You can find and follow me on Instagram at Monique
1: Bianca Photo. And you can also visit me on my website at
0: www.moniquebianca.com. Awesome. I will also make sure to put your information in the description. So if you guys want to go and follow Monique, you can do that. But yeah, thanks again so much for coming on the podcast today. And for those of you who listened to the end, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and I will see you guys next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Photo Tea with Anissa D. If you liked today's episode, please let me know by leaving a review and make sure to follow for more episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Anissa D Photography. See you back here next time for a new episode. Bye.